0: You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We're going to have a new series. It's our Christmas series called Hark. Everybody say Hark. Okay. Uh, If if you're familiar with this word, it's probably because you are one of uh, the carolers during Christmas days. How many of you did that caroling from house to house? In our yester years, okay. Nowadays you just don't you don't do that anymore, right? You have to make an appointment, make sure that the guard will uh, let you in the house, right? Nowadays you just can't go do the caroling. During our time, it was safe. We did our carolings. We had our yeah. It was safe before. So for you young ones, yeah, you miss the fun, okay? But us, we we've, we've had the fun. But you know the song, right? Hark the herald. Can you can you sing that with me? Hark the herald. I want to say, glory to, nice, peace on earth, God okay, all right, we can stop right, now. all right, great, you know, you know the song, you know the song, great, great, you know, so, opening the series, Hark, well, what is really Hark, you know, what's, what's funny, because all the years that I've been singing Hark the Herald, I never bothered to ask, what's the meaning of Hark, I never bothered to ask, okay, until, you know admittedly until we we got into the series uh yeah true i wasn't paying attention but there's something to do with that paying attention hark hark comes from this word hearken okay it's a an archaic verb meaning you know uh old really old harken, which really means to listen to lend the ear to attend to what is uttered with what eagerness and curiosity so what it simply means is that hark you need to listen well. Now, the whole series is a four week series on heart. It's really about the angel of the Lord appearing to several key people in the Bible with a message, a Christmas message, or proclaiming the Christmas message. And my hope and our, our hope and our prayer is this that all of us can learn the lessons of trust and obedience of these people, these, um, these people who were, you know, received the Christmas message who hearkened the message or who listened to the message of God during the first Christmas. So on uh, let me just share to you on week uh, four, week four, we're going to talk about the shepherds. You all know the shepherds, right? Because it's not in our culture. We have farmers, we have fishermen, but we don't have shepherds, right? Okay, but we're going to talk about the shepherds on week four. And week three, we're going to talk about Joseph. You know Joseph, right? Not Joseph the dreamer, but Joseph the husband of Mary. And uh, week two, we'll talk about Mary. And this week, this Sunday, right, we will talk about Zechariah. So are you ready? And you all rise and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verse 8 to 17. If you don't have your Bibles with you, um, it's okay. I, I brought it with me here. All right? So Ready? It's a lengthy verse, so you can actually um, join me when I, when I read it. Let's do it all together. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Everybody say, Do not be afraid. Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call him, or his name, John. to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Let's bow down and hands and pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we just ask for your presence. Holy Spirit, be the one to open our hearts, our minds, Lord God. Let everything that will come out from this mouth, Lord God, come from your heart. I pray, Lord God, we'll have full understanding of your word what it what it means to hark or to listen to your word bless the preaching of your word and bless your people in Jesus name amen have you ever experienced a you know mystical being you know just right, appear right in front of you did you you know have you ever experienced that probably not right but we do have our ghostly experience if you know what i'm talking about all right um from where i come from i come from baguio city and it's kind of an old city right? Uh, we have still old buildings and all of that. And one of the major, you know, major um, uh, attraction, <laughs> major attraction actually are the spooky places in uh, Baguio City. Have you been there? You know what I'm talking about? You see the White House, right? You see the, you know, where they bombed the place, Cafe by the Ruins. And then there's Luwakan Road. And then, you know, there were stories about uh, white ladies, you know, Teacher's camp, yes, teacher's camp, the infamous teacher's camp, yes, you've heard of that. and So if you grew up in Baguio City, it's kind of like your favorite pastime. Okay, There were no gadgets before, we didn't have those phones, we didn't have even pagers before. So in high school, there was really nothing, but you told stories. And my friend and I, my high school friend, my best buddy, we'd love to tell stories about ghosts. And we'd spook around, it's our favorite thing we do. If we have friends, especially the girls, you know, we'd scare them with these stories. How I many of you men know this, right? yung Ha! so ah, alright. And that was our favorite thing until one day, it suddenly happened. One day it suddenly happened. Okay. We um uh, my family and I, we have this, uh we've uh we have a, a business. It was an inn, it was a dormitory. And it, the, the the building basically was leased to, to my family, all right, until, you know, the 80s. Now, this building is super old. It actually survived the World War II, the Japanese, you know, Japanese bombing in Bagu City. Yeah, It survived. So, we had the chance to be in that building. So, we took care. We managed the dormitory in the inn. So, one afternoon, my my friend and I, my buddy, of course, you know, we had nothing to do. We went up. We went to the dormitory trying to look for our, you know, one of the staff, our cleaning staff. But we couldn't find him. So we we, we were fooling around the rooms. So finally, we end up in one of the rooms. We sat down. We lounged around. We were talking about it. And we were laughing. And we were spooking around. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, no typhoon, no wind, no storm, not even an electric fan. I mean... During those days, she didn't have electric fan because Baguio used to be that cold. So there was nothing. There was not even the, the windows are closed. There's nothing there. And lo and behold, this cabinet doors just suddenly flung open, boom! And you know all the manliness, all the macho ness of of my friend and I. You know we we ran out of the room, down the stairs, and we were screaming like girls. I tell you, and you know what? We've never told this to anyone, ever. So after 30 years, after 30 years, so you know my age. Okay? After 30 years, guess what? I'm uh, breaking the silence, so you know our story. So if this is in the podcast, and if you're listening, my friend's name is Jerome. So Jerome, if you're listening today, you're listening to this podcast, guess what? Our secret is no secret anymore. But what will you do, what will you do when you have an encounter that is supernatural. Not just talking about a ghost. Not talking about those, you know, ghostly stories that my friend and I did. Okay? Talking about seeing an angel. Zechariah saw an angel. He had an encounter with an angel. And it was not the cute type of, uh, angel. It's not like the Cupid type angel, right? It's not those chubby babies with wings, you know. It's not even this angel. You know? Have you seen this angel? Yeah. Uh, that's my angel, okay? But not that, you know, she's not. I mean, that's not the kind of angel that Zechariah saw. You know the word angel? Actually, in Greek, it's called agelos. Agelos, which means messenger. So the matching Hebrew word is malak, which is also ha- has the same meaning, messenger. Angels were really messengers of God. They're not cute. They're not adorable like her. The angel would probably look something like this. Yan. Wow. And this is a picture of the angel Gabriel at war. Okay. A rendition, an artist's rendition of angel Gabriel. And the only issue is this. That is if the angel of God came with a good message or a bad message. You would like the good news or the bad news. Dehma? And this is where, where Zechariah is coming from. But as messengers of God, as, as angels, messengers of God, they will execute. How many of you, they will execute what God would tell them, right? You cannot hamper, you cannot hinder it. But when God says something to an angel, they will execute it. Like, for example, um, the time of Pharaoh, right? The time of Moses, basically, the Passover. You remember that? So what did the angel of God did? They slaughtered, killed the firstborn. So when you talk about this angel, it's no cute thing. It was, uh, it was serious. They were warriors. They were, you know, executioners. So the thing is, this frightened Zechariah. Now the question is, why? I mean, why did God send an angel, in our case, Angel Gabriel, to give this message? I mean, what was the whole point? It would have been easier if, you know, he'd text, but, but no text. No message, no viber, no anything. But, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. It's going to be easy for God to, you know, just himself appear. But why use this angel? And what are the lessons we can learn from this story? So if you're ready with me, we're going to dive in and uh, look into Scripture and understand really what was he really talking about. Amen? So let's go first at the beginning verses in Luke chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. I'd like to read that for you. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. And they were what? Both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commands and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So what do we have here? We have zechariah he is a levite okay um so therefore if you're a levite you are a priest and you ministered in the temple before god what's amazing about this that he's not only a levite but he also married a you know from the lineage of the levites aaron who's the priest he's married to elizabeth one of the daughters of you know aaron in that lineage Now, if there's any that you want people, you know, to know you or to remember you with, you'd probably want to be remembered like, you know, like Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were remembered to be what? Righteous and what? Blameless. Both of them. Now, here comes the clincher. Here's, here's the punchline of this, of this scripture. It says here in verse seven, but. Everybody say but. But. When you hear the word but, Usually, not, not always, but usually. When you hear the word but, something follows, you know, that's not really as good. But, okay. Um, it's kind of painful when you hear the but, right? It's kind of like this. Um, for example, uh, I like your resume. You have good resume. But, uh, something like that, right? Or, or sometimes, I like you as a friend. But. How about this? How about this? I love you, but, or in fairness, you are beautiful, but, okay, your business is good, but, are you clear? You have been a good Christian. You have been coming to victory. Here, Anakasha, every single Sunday, you're part of a small group. You're also part of our worship and prayer night. Every single day. You love God, you love people, but it's kind of like that. Alright? It's kind of like that, the, 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 the situation. But there is something painfully wrong. What was painfully wrong is this. They had no child. They were serving God. Priest, Right? Love God, love people, but they have no child. It's kind of hard understanding it if you're not really the one there, right? So we need to understand where they're coming from, okay? So here's Elizabeth and Zechariah. They have no child. What it means, if you go look at scriptures, it says in Psalm 127, verse 3 to 4, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. You all know this, right? The fruit of the womb, a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, are the children of what? One's youth. So having no children makes you virtually useless in the, in the society, in the community. That's how it was. For, for Elizabeth and Zechariah, it was kind of like useless. There's nothing to look forward to. We don't have kids. So that's where they're coming from. Genesis chapter 30 verse 1 you all remember Rachel right the the wife of Jacob you know Jacob right not uh, yeah Jacob and the thing is Jacob Jacob's wife Rachel could not bear him children so what did Rachel say she said to Jacob Jacob give me children or I will die you need to you need to really understand where this couple where this couple is coming from where their situation is they have no kids you're a woman, here you are, and you cannot give your husband a son. Imagine the disappointment. Imagine the pain. Imagine the strain in that relationship. Can you just imagine that? That's where it is. Okay? Imagine living every day with the disappointments and the stigma of the past. That's basically where they are. It's kind of like, you know, imagine yourself, you know, um, with the disappointments in your relationship, you have failed relationships. You've been in and out of relationships. It's kind of like that, or you've been in business, okay? Uh, Never-ending business. How many? How many of you know that Filipinos are very entrepreneurial, right? The thing is, you know, you it's like every time you're in business, it goes down, down. So like, you know, it's just, it's disappointing. Or about this, you know, you, you, you're, you're into different jobs every single time. And, you know, you, it was like a disappointment to you. It's kind of like that. Or maybe somebody branded you as the black sheep of the family. You know, you, this, this son of mine, this, you know, daughter of mine. Somebody branded you. It stabs you right at the heart. No child. That's where Elizabeth is. There's no child. And to make the matters worse is this. Okay? Not only did not she have any children or a child, but to make matters worse, Elizabeth was considered cursed. Why? Because Elizabeth was barren. So they are no child, disappointed, and she's also barren. What does that mean? It means that, you know, there is no capability of having children at all. So no matter how hard, you know, Zechariah and Elizabeth would try. Nothing will happen. Because physically, the condition is uh, is it's not going to work. It won't work. There's a huge barrier now from, from this dream of having a child. That's where they are coming from. So now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were dealing not only with the disappointments and the stigma of the past, but they they were also dealing with this. Limitation of the present. Can you imagine? They're disappointed of their past. They've been branded as having no children. And yet, at the moment, at the present time, there's nothing that they can do. Because she's barren. Elizabeth was barren. And to add insult to injury, dipatapos, okay? What happened? The Bible says that both of them were advanced in years. Let me talk about all the, you know, the losing streak somewhere. It's kind of like that, I don't know about commercial, but that, that, anyway, never mind, I forgot. In other words, it's to get, to get to their dreams, they have to, you know, swim across the Amazon River, you know, with, infested with piranhas and crocodiles, and go up, you know, the Amazon jungle to reach, you know, that dream. It's kind of like an impossible thing. That's where they were. And not only that, it's not over yet. So, no child, barren, right? Advancing years, and guess what? It wasn't done. Why? Because because they don't have any children, guess who's going to take care of them in the future? They had no children, meaning they have no one to take care of them. If if Zechariah got sick, if, uh, if uh, Elizabeth would get sick, or both of them would get sick, who will take care of them in their old age? You know, in, in Jewish custom, they actually give the eldest uh, son, I think, two-thirds of the, of the inheritance. The reason why he's given a double portion of that inheritance is for the eldest to take care of the parents. But there are no, no one like it. There's nobody there for them. So, think about the disappointments. Think about... Think about the the stigma of the past. Think about the limitation of their present present situation. And think about the uncertainty of the future. How many of you can relate with Zechariah and Elizabeth? How many of you can relate that? Your past? Your past is disappointing. In other words, you're disappointed with your past. You're limited presently. And... You're worried about the future. How many of you are in that? Okay, don't raise up your hand. But how many of you can relate to that? Most of us, right? We've all gone through that. And Here's the good news. The good news is that the first Christmas message deals with our past, our present, and our future. And that's an amazing story. We need to hark. Everybody say hark. We need now to listen very well at what God is really saying okay there was an angel who appeared to zechariah there was a message but what is that real message let's look at the verse verse 8 now while he was serving as priest before god when his division was on duty according to the custom of the priesthood he was what chosen by lot to enter the temple of the lord and burn incense now you need to understand that over the past uh, years the priest okay the priest actually multiplied during Jesus' time, it was over two thousand priests recorded in history. Right? So that means there's only one temple and there's over two thousand priests. So if you have the law of economics, supply is high, demand is low, right? So the thing is, they had to draw lots who will go to the temple and minister, and it it fell on his lot. In other words, it's it's his chance. It was like by chance. Zechariah, who's already advanced in his years. And think about that. For many years, since he was very young, he was a Levite, waiting for this moment to come. But he was super old. And then, it was time. He has prepared for this for so long, and finally it was here. But how many of you know that it was not really by chance? How many of you know that God has ordained it? You know, I have a friend, he'd always tell me this. He'd always tell me, Pastor, you know, nothing happens by accident. And, you know, that stuck to me every single time. Every single time. So every moment of my life is never really an accident, but a God-ordained thing. Let's look at the verse. Verse 10 says, The whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So, as priest, what you, what you do actually, you represent the people. While the people are praying outside, alright, for you, you were also praying for your nation. So you're the Levite, you're the priest, you're entering the temple of God, you're representing the people, so that means you ought to be holy, sinless, and blameless, or else you get, you get, you'll die in the presence of God. Now here comes the encounter in verse 11, It says, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was what? He was troubled. I mean, who wouldn't be troubled? It's the first time he sees an angel. Have you ever seen an angel? No. I mean, if you were in Zechariah's position, an angel like him, enormous one, a warrior of God, appears to you. So you'll be scared. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And here's what happened: fear fell upon him. You know, I believe that that Zechariah feared for his life. You know why? Because he has heard all the stories about the priests. Okay, since um, you know, since since the time of Moses to their time. Think about that. All right. There were so many priests that actually ministered before the Lord. And if the priest was found to be a sinner or is sinning, the Lord would just smite it, smite the, the priest. So can you imagine, here you are, first time after many, many years. And mind you, this is like one chance of a lifetime. You only get to minister once in your life. So it was his chance, and then here it is. Lo and behold, the angel. What will you be thinking? I'll be frightened. I might be thinking, you know, this this angel might strike me dead, and goodbye, Elizabeth, goodbye, world. And that's what he was he was thinking. That's why the the priests were given uh, bells. Okay, it was tied down around their 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 foot, so wherever they go, they 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 hear the sound. But if they don't hear the sound. That means the priest is dead. So they have the long rope, and then they all they do is kind of <laughs> pull you out of that, of that uh, holy of holies, and that's it. And this was Zechariah. Let's look at verse 13. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. So what Zechariah dreaded and feared was really a blessing in disguise. Can you imagine that? I mean, he was was very fearful, but little did he know that it was really a blessing. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Hush. Don't be afraid. For your prayer has been answered. How many of you know that God answers prayers? Of course, we all know that, right? But how many of you believe that God answers prayers? See? Sometimes, you know what? Your greatest fear could be your greatest breakthrough. Are you here? Your greatest fear could be your greatest breakthrough. I remember when I was young in the Lord, okay, pretty young in the Lord, I had a I had a major fight with a, with a friend, and it was about business. And we parted ways, and I got saved. You know, I, I became a Christian, and so I was praying to God, and I said, you know, God, I don't want people, I don't want to have, you know, offenses. I mean, who who likes offenses anyway? We don't want offenses, right? But here I am, you know, that this friend of mine, we, we knew each other from you know childhood, and right there our our relationship was severed because of a business dealing, and we were not, you know, we we're not talking. In fact, he was cursing me. He wrote me a long letter cursing me. I'm the son of the devil. And I was so mad, but But then again, I was a Christian. I got saved and I said, Lord, I want you to mend our relationship. So I was praying. Luchi knows this. My wife knows this. I was praying, Lord, please mend our relationship. But the very thing that I feared most was the very thing that God wants me to do. And that's making that confrontation. How many of you know that it's kind of hard confronting someone who's offended? How many of you know that? It's, it's, it's close to impossible. You don't want to do it. But the breakthrough is basically confronting the fear. So time came. Guess what? He's not from here, from the south. I mean, what are the chances? This guy is not from here. This guy is from Baguio City. What are the chances that you will find him in town center cinema? Lining up to watch a movie. I mean, what are the chances? But God gave, opened that door. And I, and I said, God, this is it. I'm afraid. I dread this. I don't like this. But I'm going to step in there. And I'm going to talk to my friend. So finally, we did. And we were able to, you know, I've asked for forgiveness. And he also asked for forgiveness. And everything was history. What a breakthrough. I mean, I can, I can sleep every single night knowing that, you know, we've mended that. And see, sometimes your greatest fear could be your greatest breakthrough. Sort of like a, you know, side trip there. But what is God really saying? What is God saying? Let me share to you three things. First thing is this. God is faithful. Amen. Say this to me. God is faithful. You know, in our own eyes, when, when, when we pray, and it takes a long time, like you've been praying for something for, you know, for a while. Like, for example, you've prayed. Uh, the days came, and it didn't come. <laughs> and then weeks came. Still wasn't there. And then months came. Still was not there, right? And the years go by, and your tendency, I don't know if, just, if it's just me, okay? But my tendency... Is actually to throw in the towel and say, you know, I give up. Maybe this is not for me. How many of you, how many of you know that? You've been praying all your life for something, for this breakthrough, but it's not happening. Zechariah and Elizabeth felt the same way. No child, barren, advanced in years, no hope for the future. But here's the difference, okay? Unlike me, unlike me. I, pro- I probably blamed God many times over because He didn't answer my prayer. But be- between these two, both of them, the Bible says they were blameless. They didn't put a, you know, they didn't blame God, but they were blameless. They were still there. That's a big difference. Are you still here? Okay, love you guys. But here's what God is saying: that no matter how long it takes in the human eyes. God is faithful. And He will answer your prayer. That's why when you pray, you know how this when all of us pray, you just pray prayers for the sake of praying prayers, right? You pray that. But sometimes, you know, this is the attitude. Lord, I'm I'm believing you for this, uh, but it's okay if it's not going to come. That's okay. How many of you pray that prayer, you know? Lord, uh, I'm believing you for this uh, brand new. For example, for example, brand new house. You're, you're, you're believing it when you say, well, it's okay, Lord? Um, I'm settled for a rented house." How I many of you? have I mean, prayed that prayer? We see when 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 we say, you know what? When 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 the messenger, the angel Gabriel, was giving this message, he was saying, "You need to understand that God is a faithful God." That no matter how long it takes, or maybe it does not come, God is still faithful. No matter what situation you are facing today, God is faithful. It's not about how faithful you are, because we're not. It's the faithfulness of God. Next year, 2017. It's not just the Philippines who will do prayer and fasting, but it's the entire every nation churches worldwide. So I don't know about you. If you're not excited about 2017, you're going to miss out on a whole lot. But when you come to that prayer and fasting, we need to prepare. When you write that prayer, expect that God will answer your prayer. Don't just put it there, Lord, you know, I want this, but, you know, it's okay if you don't. It's just like saying, you know, God, you don't have the ability to really do this. When we come before God, are you still here? When we come before God, believe that He can answer. Why? Because He is a faithful God. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who what? Keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Covenant. It's not even just a a contract. You know, a business contract can actually be torn into pieces, all right? Uh, Nowadays, a contract is not really, you know, it's not as binding anymore. But when you talk about a covenant from God, he is a faithful God. He will remain faithful to his promise to us. All the things that he has said in the Word of God, in the Bible, is his covenant to his people. How many of you have read the Bible? Of course, that's all of us, okay? And how many of you believe that God will answer your prayer? Amen. That ought to be the attitude. Let's continue. In the next verse, in verse 13, The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and what? You shall call his name John, and here this, verse 14, "And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at His birth. You see, God is faithful to answer the prayer of Zechariah and Elizabeth, but he's not only faithful, he's not only faithful, but he has also the power to change the past. So, in other words, God is redeemer. In other words, God can redeem the past. So no matter what stigma that you have, you know, before, well, no matter what you went through in life before, guess what? God is able to redeem that. Because He can redeem. He is the Redeemer. God is in the business of redeeming our past. That's the reason why. In fact, you, you, you talk about the Christmas message. This is the heart of it. He wants to redeem us from death. He wants to redeem us from our sin. That's who our God is. So what is having a no child thing? What is being barren? What is being, you know, having no kids? That's nothing to God. Because He can redeem. He can actually turn your mourning into dancing. Are you still here? He can, yeah, you can give God a hand for that. Come on, let's give praise to that. He can turn your mourning into dancing. It doesn't really matter now. When you're with God, everybody say, when I'm with God, He can redeem my past. Whatever that may be. Isaiah 44 verse 24 says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, who knows you well. The one who formed you in the womb, right? I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by Myself. I mean, if you have a God, if you know, if you know who your God is, you will not, you will not have disappointments. You will not have that stigma in the past, if you know who your God is. Our God is a redeeming God. So the angel Gabriel was saying to Zechariah, God is faithful to answer your prayer. Because He is the Redeemer, He is also able to redeem your past. That means now you can have a child. Joy and gladness now will come instead of your disappointment, instead of your scorn and shame. What He was saying, God is the Redeemer of your past. You can no longer be in that state. You're going to be in a happy state. And like all of us, are you in a happy state? Yes. Convince me more. Come on. Okay, Luke 1, 18 says, And Zechariah said to the angel, now this was the response of Zechariah, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Now think about that. This, this, this guy who was supposed to be righteous and blameless before God had an issue. Okay, there's an issue with the guy. He knows God, he serves God, but he doesn't believe in God's word. I mean, it was already the angel in front of him and he couldn't even believe in God's word. I mean, if we were to trade places today and you're seeing the angel standing in front of you, wouldn't you believe? Right? But why? Why did he doubt? He looked at to his circumstance. He looked at it, says, you know, I'm an old man, my wife and I, we're in in years. I mean, I've been praying for this but I didn't expect it to come when you know, at this age. You know, the scholars say that it, Elizabeth was about 88 years old when she conceived. 88 years old. Okay. So I don't know. You know, probably if you were, you were also like him, if you were like Zechariah, you'd probably say, yeah, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's impossible. In other words, Zechariah looked to his present limitation. He doubted. He did not hearken well. He didn't hear well. He was not listening intently to the message of God. He did not believe in the word of God. You see, the circumstance of our our lives, the truth is, our circumstance, sometimes it overpowers the word of God. And the thing is, you have a choice. All of us, we have a choice. You'd rather believe what you're seeing or would you believe the word of God? that is the limitation. So doubt came. Imagine that this guy, super Christian, na to, ha? he knows God well, but failed to believe God's word. Far be it from all of us that we will not believe in God's word. Amen. In verse 19, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring to you this what? Good news. Hello, it's already good news. Why are you still doubting? And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. So what happened? God silences Zechariah because of his unbelief. You know why God did that? Because if Zechariah was still, you know, talking, he'd probably talk all the negative things he can talk. You know, you know how it is when you confess all the negative things? Guess what? You get what you say. Actually, you become what you speak. And that's probably why God said, you know, you need to shut up. Listen. That's what God was saying. We need to be careful what we confess with our mouths. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the what? The tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. We need to be careful what we confess every single day. No matter what situation that we are in today, do not confess the negative things that you're seeing, but rather confess the Word of God. Amen. Good news is this. God was still faithful Despite his unbelief, despite his doubt, despite all the things that he was doing wrong, God was so faithful, he still fulfills <laughs> his word. And the third thing that we need to hark about or listen to intently is found in this verse. In verse 16 says, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and a disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Right? And look at this. Look at this. It says here, He will turn many of what? The children of Israel. So what was supposed to be a very personal prayer, Lord, give me, bless me a son. It was a personal prayer. The, the answer to that was not just personal. It was national. It's amazing. It's amazing how God has orchestrated everything in, in the life of Zechariah. It took him 88 years to bless this guy. Why is that? Because ultimately it's this. God is sovereign. That's who he is. He is sovereign. He's above everything. And no matter what you you know, you how much you rationalize things, no matter how much we think about it, God is sovereign. But the amazing part is this. The answer to his personal question was the answer to his national prayer. Can you imagine he was praying for the... Remember, he's a priest. He's praying for Israel. And Israel was under Rome. And they were praying for a Savior, a Messiah to come. And he was not coming yet. Remember, there was a... Silence of 400 years since the time of Malachi. The last time that God spoke was in Malachi. The prophet Malachi, you all remember that, that, that guy? That was the last time he spoke. And 400 years later, God breaks his silence to Zechariah. <laughs> Can you imagine? The personal thing now becomes a national thing. Why? Because God has a great and grand plan for everybody. And you, you, oh, say you. Turn to your name, say you. You are a part of that. You don't realize it today. We are all here sitting down, feeling comfortable. You're listening to me. And then you're saying, you know, I'm just here. Not doing, you know, just listening. I'll just be an attendee here. Guess what? You have, you are part of the bigger picture. The bigger plan of God. Do you believe that? You are part of that. Praise God. Malachi. Let me just read to you Malachi. It's the same thing. This was the last word. God said to Malachi, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. So the prophecy after 400 years is now being fulfilled at the hearing of Zechariah and he's not hearing it. That's what's happening. Did you get it? He was there. He's not hearing it. But this was the prophecy that, you know, that, that, that is taking place right before his eyes and he's missing it. When he plans something for us, it is really for the greater good. I like that. I love that. Some scholars say that when, you know, uh, without Zechariah, there will be no John, right? No, no John the Baptist, and without John the Baptist, nobody prepares the way for the Messiah to come. But this was all fully ordained by God at his perfect time. Why? Because God is sovereign. Proverbs nineteen verse twenty one says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord, and that will stand. You know, I don't know what you're going through today, but the reality is God has a plan for us and a purpose. I don't know if you're sitting there and you're saying, you know, I'm just sitting to Pastor Saul again. Yeah, so, yep, but understand that God has a plan and purpose for you. No matter how much you plan your life, it does not work the way you planned it. How many of you realize that already? I mean, you're probably like me, half-time... Diba? Diba? Yeah. When you were young, you were, had so much plans, aspirations, dreams. Alright? So if you're young today, you got you got to align with the plan of God. Alright, or else you'll be frustrated like me. <laughs> That's the reality. We see God has a greater plan for us. So let me end with this. Our story, our story, Zechariah and Elizabeth, is really our story. If you think about it, right? It's the same thing. Our past may have been a disappointment. And it has, it has a stigma already. That's why it's so hard to move forward. And when you look at your current situation today, it, it seems impossible, whatever you're believing God for, right? And when you look at the future, you're afraid of it because it seems like it's uncertain. Well, if you heart well enough today, if you listen enough today, that God is faithful, God is the Redeemer, and God is sovereign. Guess what? If you hark well enough, then you will begin to see the breakthroughs. Amen. Amen. Now, here's my main point. All we need to do as a church is hark, listen, fear not. Can you say that with me, hark? Hark. Fear Fear not. Just believe God. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Let's give God a big hand. Come on. Let's all stand and pray. Let's all lift up our hands before our Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you are a faithful God. No matter how we see things, Lord God, no matter how long it takes, Lord, you have been always, always been faithful to us. Lord, forgive us for many times we've doubted you. For many times there's this this unbelief. And Lord, thank you, Lord God, that we can receive forgiveness. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross, Lord God, made it possible for us to enter your presence. And so we come before you, Lord God, just humbling ourselves before you, and asking, Lord, forgive us for our, our unbelief at times. Lord, thank you, God, that whatever whatever your plan is, your plan is really to redeem us from where we are. You know, if you're here, you're standing here right now, there's so many things in the past that's still haunting you today. God is in the business of redeeming your past. Can you just lift it up before God? Say, God, whatever that may be, could be your business, could be your family, your relationship, anything at all that you think is a disappointment in your life, Lord, thank you, God, that need you are the Redeemer. You did not just redeem our soul, but you also redeem our life today. You said, Lord, you came here on earth to give life, and not just life, but an abundant life. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you are now redeeming our past. Lord, what the enemy has meant for evil, you use it for your good. So, Lord, I pray, Lord God, whatever circumstance that we were in before, thank you, Lord God, that you are erasing it. Thank you, Lord God, that the past will not dictate my future. Thank you, Lord God, that by your Spirit, Lord God, we can gain, Lord God, victory over this. Lord, I pray, even now, for those who are looking towards the future and are afraid of the future, Lord, thank you, Lord God, that as we believe you and believe in all the words that you have spoken, Lord, you will, you will indeed open doors for us. So You will indeed give us the breakthroughs. So thank you, Lord God. No matter our, what our past is, no matter we're going to, the, to in the in the present, Lord God, no matter what will happen in the future, we can believe that you have the best interest for all of us. So Lord, we want to honor you. We want to worship you. In Jesus' name.